one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, prospectors, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we are delving into the salty, salty mines of the Magic the Gathering community, finding the saltiest posts, those salty stories, those saline nuggets, Mm. and bringing them back up in our mine cart and sharing them with you, our dear listeners. Do you use use ketchup or do you use uh, sweet and sour sauce on your saline nuggets oh I, you know i'm a ketchup boy i'm a ketchup boy too fucking love ketchup dude. i'm imagining someone though like full dunk like the whole packet just like i'm one nuggy real talk face. not to like immediately tangent but real talk <laughs> there's nothing more satisfying than a hot nugget and cold cold ketchup oh fucking love it like like mm. cold ketchup right out of the fridge with like a piping hot nugget there's something about that that I really enjoy. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I, I feel that. I vibe that. There's also nothing quite like having a housewarming party and you've got like fucking 40 people in your apartment that fits like, I don't even know, uh, like so specific. 15 people comfortably. <laughs> and someone shows up at midnight with a hundred pack of mickey d's nuggies oh my god and in that moment that person becomes a legend like everyone in the party is like this is fucking amazing we had all this food and shit the the number one thing that went instantly all those nuggies yeah they were they were disappeared this is a real event if if that wasn't obvious (laughs) yeah i could tell this was just in my imagination you know i could tell just from mike like pumping his fist on tony's (laughs) story you were like yes All right, I have a quick nugget thing to add in. Uh, similar to that, I we're now a nugget too, podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is nugget time. Didn't even get to the names. <laughs> nugget time. We're 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 in the nugget right now. Yeah, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> so I also have experienced um, divine nugget intervention in my life. It was during my senior year of high school. I was um, I was really into being like a stoner wasteoid at the time. Nice. And which is important for the story. And it was my senior year lock-in. So they like lock us in the school. You know, we like stay up all night and people like sneak in their booze. and Promote like not doing drugs or something or like. Yeah, it's exactly. They're like, you'll be safe here in the school. And we're, I'm like, sweet. We're going to like. Smuggle in drugs and booze. and French kiss on the bouncy yeah. house. <laughs> After loading up on a bunch of weed outside. So, so me and my friends we like you know get super high and and walk in they're breathalyzing people we make it through but it's stressful it's very stressful we're like are we going to make it through there's a cop there what the fuck is going on it's high school we're worried it's 2008 we're like what the fuck (laughs) we finally make it in and we're like we did it guys and we turn and someone walks past us like one of like the there's like a service there like like uh waiters and stuff and someone walks past us but i'm not kidding you a baking tray covered in little 10 piece boxes of Wendy's nuggets. Mm. 
it was like if I had like a genie's lamp in that moment where I was super stoned <laughs> and they were like, what do you wish for? And I was like, a tray of nuggets. And it just like <laughs> appeared and we were all like nuggets and started like crushing nuggets. Oh, dude, it was amazing. Truly amazing. I still think about it. Love that. So who are you? As always, I am your host, Sam. Hey, I got there. <laughs> and I'm joined today by uh by with for my two co-hosts mike and tony say hey guys what up what up what up nugget (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be this is gonna be a weird intro when we when we totally cut out the nugget part (laughs) oh there's no way we're cutting the nugget part it's solid that's fucking pure gold right there that's what the people come here for mike just comes in and says nugget (laughs) (laughs) well mike i think you have a nugget of a tale to tell us uh-huh. about uh, your Mox Masters. T- tell us about Mox Masters, man. Uh, for people who don't know, Mike and uh, our friend Pat Snoringes competed in the January Mox Masters hosted by Playing With Power. It's a CDH tournament held online. Um, how many people are in it, Mike? Uh, 132. 132. And Mike, our very own Mike from the Howling Salt Mine, Got top 16, baby, hey. which is like a big fucking deal. Pew, 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 <laughs> like pew, basically, pew. basically got as far as you can without sitting at the top four table, which is like fucking crazy for a first timer in the CDH tournament. It's nuts. It was pretty fun for a first time webcam tournament. I've tried to play magic, you know, well before. Like I've tried to be good at magic. <laughs> Does that makes sense. <laughs> like I've tried to be good at like limited and I've done like I've hit mythic and standard and, and limited yeah. and stuff on arena. I would say it's usually just you crushing like children at LGSs on a Friday yeah, night though. Yeah, right? you like, know, I go to my LGS, I stomp through the draft portion. No, my, my LGS <laughs> is too good for that. <laughs> no, but I've never I've never done any commander competitive thing. You know, we've been playing a lot of CDH over the the last couple of years so it was really cool to sit down and like just jam some games with completely random people that was like honestly the coolest part about it for me and then really i won i won the first game and i was like oh god like i've already exceeded my expectations for this tournament <laughs> um and then immediately lost the next two uh like quick too with like 30 minutes to spare in both of those rounds there was five rounds before it went to top 16. So the fourth round, I was like, whatever, I'll just like play. I'm happy I have the one win. Yep. Managed to sneak something out uh, in that game by responding to someone's dockside trigger of getting up 12 treasures by tutoring out a Karn. Oh. So they couldn't crack their treasures. <laughs> so so which, which deck were you playing, Mike? What do you mean by tutoring out a Karn? So I was playing Sisei Tutor Chains. And it's sort of my own homebrew version of it. Five yeah, it's five system. colors. She's the one with pay Wooberg, go search your library for a legendary permanent uh, with mana value less than Sisse's power. Really fun toolboxy commander. I kind of homebrewed it and jammed like more planeswalkers than are supposed to be in there into it. And it just it has this opportunity to like go find the solution for things that other people are trying to do. So this guy played you know a dockside got like 13 treasures but couldn't crack them and then that so just good. fueled fueled my dockside the next turn because my oh. dockside came down for <laughs> that plus that's a, and he can't even crack him in response that's yeah so you can't good. crack him that's in response so fucking good <laughs> you must have won on that turn right like yeah. 26 mana like pop out a meal and then just just 
juices. I think you right? would have had to rip up your deck if you didn't win that turn. <laughs> well, I have to rip it up then because it took a couple extra turns because <laughs> oh, no. there was another player at six life with an Aven Mind Sensor out. Oh, so uh, I got Cultist of the Absolute out, which basically gives Sissé <laughs> plus four, plus four in flying. Yeah. And his only flying blocker was, <laughs> was Aven Mind spicy. Sensor. So I was able to attack him, get him to block with the Aven Mind Sensor, and then opened the win up from there, basically. So I did That's still actually have to go spicy. through an extra loop of the rotation okay. to to get through with enough mana that's spicy as fuck i love that and then game five was kind of cool too because uh when we sat down there was some discussion in the pod like oh should we just draw if we just draw this then based on the current points that we all have like all of us would have a decent shot at top 16 and looking at it i was like pretty sure that if we drew i wasn't going to okay and I would have been at two wins and a draw. And it was looking like it was going to need to be like two wins and two draws to get in, which ended up being accurate. Because I was basically like, guys, I'm going to be the guy. Uh, I'm going to make a play it out. <laughs> Came to play some magic. Want to play you do some that? magic. Would you just sit down and be like, we're just drawing? Yeah. We're just like just calling it a draw. draw. I feel like that would also be like a lame way to go about that. Yeah. yeah. That's something I don't really understand about like tournament bracketing. and genuinely it's because i just never fucking looked it up i'm sure i could just google it and figure it out no i think you have to search in scryfall and you'll find the uh oh yeah I, i'll go to ask jeeves if you <laughs> yeah. if you ask jeeves how tournaments work i'll just bing it guys i'll bing it ask, ask jeeves was better it was better <laughs> fuck <laughs> cut this cut that <laughs> God damn it! My search engine joke was bad. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Were you trying to say something about like yeah, playing was, magic or something? I was, but okay, I cool. don't let's, care let's about let's magic anyway. So let's just talk about nice. like search engines, mana rolls, or something. Um, <laughs> I hear opera is really good for. Uh, Did you say minerals? <laughs> yeah. How about instead of minerals, we talk about mana rules, and you tell us all about this uh, tournament? Okay, so if you win a game, it's five points, and if you okay. draw, it's one point. And if you lose, it's zero. It's zero if you okay, lose. Okay, cool. So basically, in previous Mox Masters, like if if a lot of the games are going to draw, then you only need a couple wins to be ahead of the curve there. But this one, because the, they adjusted the timing rules and it worked really well, so not as many games were going to draw. Um, so more games were ending in a winner. So the cutoff, there was only one person with 11 points that made mm -hmm. it into top 16. Um, and we didn't know that exactly heading into like that final round five game, but we could kind of figure that out. So if you so, all had 11, it would be kind of like a crapshoot. Right. It would it would come down to like, I think, opponent win percentage. Oh, interesting. And like my opponent win percentage wasn't that good. So I was like, no, like, let's play it. Uh, <laughs> and then it took like all three players stopping the player directly ahead of me, who I think was on Jessica Timna. Had like Spicy. a Bolus's Citadel out with a Magda and like 17 treasures. So just like could get popping off crazy stuff, completely popping off. Um, had a defense grid at one point that people like bounced back to their hand. They replayed it. Um, they drove down to like, you know, 11 health or something like super low. There was like a Shouldred out, I think. So they kept having to like, the four mana draw one, if I'm remembering. Or... Yeah, the four mana one that drains people when they draw. Yeah. Mm. 
But anyway, it was crazy. It took like the entire table stopping them. Um, I needed to mental misstep a silence, then noxious revival, the mental misstep. Oh my God. Love that. With like a mystic remora trigger on the stack in order to <laughs> mental misstep <laughs> their so enlightened sick. tutor that they had just cast. Oh. So there were like all these things that we had to do as a table in order to stop them from winning. And then they passed to me with defense grid up. And I was like, okay. Dockside win. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. I love those moments in CDH where uh where everyone bands together. The, somebody I forget who it was, but somebody one time said that CDH is really four overlapping games of Arch Enemy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the best description of it. Like totally. everybody is a threat and everybody needs to work together to stop every threat. <laughs> that's sick, dude. Good shit. And then in top 16, I completely fucked up. I countered a, a Lana War elves that a Kinnon player was dropping out. And then the Krakashima player went off with a Gitaxian probe that I could have mental misstepped mm. if I held on to it. So live well, and learn, uh, you know? Would have been a coin flip anyways. You never know. What uh, uh, what turn was it? Was it like far in or? No, it was, I, it was early. I, I watched that game. Turn one. I turn one. I mental misstepped a Lana War. And then they were top the Krakashima was top of the turn order. So when they started uh, their turn two, they were able to get Sakashima out turn two yeah. and get probe. And I think they won turn two. I might, I might it, be wrong. It I might've taken one more turn three. I think it took one more turn rotation, Yeah, but it was, it was, you know, we couldn't, it was so fast. Like, it. like, like literally uh, I caught the tail end of that game and literally only the Krakashima player had like a board presence. Like I mean, everybody else was still deck. kind of setting up. With that yeah. deck specifically, that is probably the best card you could have because you just pay life. Exactly. Like, yeah. And you just and pay life and like hope you lose. Yeah. The best answer. So yeah, just to counter the original copy. Yeah. It's it was great. It was like really fun games. I got to feel like I was good at the game, and then I got to feel like I was bad at the game, and it was <laughs> so cool, nice. <laughs> Honestly, I think like 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 it. One, it's just super cool to. Um, you know, see you get into top 16. I think it's really badass. Thanks, man. It's also cool to see it like with your own super spicy brew of Sisse Tudor Chains. Like you and I uh, hung out for like two hours the other <laughs> night. So much time. <laughs> and just like went through every single card in the deck. Like we played our usual Tuesday night magic and then uh, Nick and Pat left and and Mike was like, want to see this deck? And I was like, yeah. And we hung up for like, it was literally like, I'm not joking. Yeah, it, was it was like another two hours where we were just going. And I was like, oh, this is a good cut. <laughs> I was essentially like, like, Sam, let me explain to you every single card choice in this entire yeah. 99. <laughs> and, and we made like a couple swaps. But, yeah. you know, I, I think we've talked about it before that Mike and I are like deck brewing buddies. And sometimes we, sometimes we like set up a deck and and like multiple hours will go by and we've made like five card swaps <laughs> but they're they're perfect <laughs> they're really swaps. good they're, they're really so good. good they're really good yeah they're super good swaps so that yeah that deck is super spicy it runs like seven or eight planeswalkers which is fucking hilarious Ridiculous in a, CDH a CDH deck. <laughs> but goddamn, they are really really good they're wicked good choices yeah. um and most of them are the type of planeswalker where you tutor it out at instant speed and uh, either it is like a stepping stone for your combo and just like keeps things moving 
or also just like a value piece, or it is like a hard stacks piece that like fucks yeah. people up. Like the Karn example that you had, Karn the Great yeah. Creator. Karn Ashiok does it too. I, Ashiok I had stops to do tutoring. It. Yep. I had Ashiok to do it with tutoring. Ashiok in a different game when a player was playing an Entomb with uh, an Underworld Breach out already. So I had to fetch up Ashiok there. So they, they come in handy. Yep. Yeah. Man, that's sick. Fucking love it, dude. Um, well, shall we get into it, guys? Oh, if anyone wants to hear me talk even more about that deck for some reason, check out uh MTG in quarantine. Um, MJ over there, really cool, great podcast. Had both Sam and I on to talk about some of our CDH lists, and I talk about that one a bit more extensively there. So it was bullshit because like yours is like a top 16, like awesome deck, and we chose Marath just because somebody has like a Discord <laughs> over S <laughs> tier fucking Selvala, but like whatever. Well, one of us uh is in like a what I've heard is a really trash musical and doesn't have availability <laughs> to record. <laughs> no, the real one is I don't have a deck for that. Like <laughs> I just do like fucking net deck city for CDH for me. I don't fucking it make is decks. true. I also had an episode of MTG in quarantine and uh talked about my morass deck and um really just kind of talked about the the origin of that style. It's a super fucking weird deck. So if you want to learn about why living plane is actually like a really good stacks piece when you build around it, tune in. Yeah, and, and also like you know, if you're trying to get into a Marath Discord, like I know a guy, he's he's a moderator. Like. Yeah, I can hook you up. You know, <laughs> that was that was one of the best <laughs> moments. Right after the top sixteen, I got to come into our channel and be like, "So Sam, I know you might be a moderator of a Marath Discord, <laughs> but you haven't top sixteen to Mass Masters." <laughs> I offered that up. Like, let's be real. Like, I was like, yo, I'm about to record this podcast episode tomorrow. Like, let me yeah. hit up MJ and see if he wants to do a second up with you. No, totally, totally. I am benevolent. <laughs> benevolent overlord. Also, like, maybe you've fucking heard that already because maybe we had MJ on already. We're oh, yeah. backlogging episodes for baby time. So uh, this is either coming out like in a week or it's coming out in like four weeks. So we don't, time's an illusion, guys. Mm. <laughs> Well, let's fucking get into it. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about salt. You guys know what it is. This is this is one of the off weeks in my contract where I can just give you a snarky response and I don't have to define it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I those those were in the fine print. I, yeah. I agree. Carry, carry on. Carry on. What's what the happens first when we speed run an episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also start off with like multiple tangents. <laughs> um okie dokie yeah let's fucking get into it so our first post comes to us from the edh subreddit our homeland our safe space i don't feel safe i there. don't think it's safe for fucking <laughs> I don't anyone feel safe. At all. <laughs> we get downvoted a lot over there so <laughs> probably not a safe space if anything the discord is our safe space <laughs> <laughs> and this one comes to us from user rj7300 if you guys see user RJ7300 in the subreddits, in and around them, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that. Goodwill. And the post title is called, Can't Play Anything Without Being an Asshole. <laughs> I also have this problem, but I'm just kind of an asshole. 
Yeah, it's because it's not tied to the things you're playing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an independent issue that I'm dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> and the post goes, started playing with some friends not long ago, and one of them incessantly berates me for the decks I play without fail. My red Morag Fury of Akum deck using Phoenixes, quote, played too fast to be fun because it didn't respect the long game, end quote. My Perry Voltron deck, Hell yeah. quote, only focused on one thing and was too predictable, end quote. The Faldorn token deck with anger made me, quote, too unpredictable because they didn't know what I would play every turn, end quote. As if that's not how Jessica's will works. The Tarask Turbo with Force Combat deck was, quote, too one note. The Mono Blue Spirits were, quote, unfair because they all had flying the torrent burn deck quote <laughs> didn't play enough creatures hell the only time i didn't hear shit about my deck choice was when i tossed together a bunch of new capenna bulk with mr orfeo to beef them up and got totally slaughtered way earlier than everyone else it just feels like i can't win no matter what i try what the fuck do i do well first I love that you don't respect the long game. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. the long game. I don't think I do either. So <laughs> I don't yeah, the long game should have no respect. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of crazy to have somebody be so critical of your decks and to have like clearly hypocritical criticisms, talking about a deck that is too one note and too predictable, talking about another deck that is too unpredictable because they didn't know what you were gonna play every turn, and then Another deck is to one note. Another one, creatures have flying, which we all know is a completely broken mechanic and needs to be banned. And then the other one doesn't have <laughs> enough creatures. It's just like... I think we should ban every creature with flying. That's the real solution here. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, Watsy. <laughs> Stop printing flying on creatures. Bring back horsemanship. It's a simple yeah. solution. Way more balanced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we need more walls. I can't remember. Did this person... This is like their pod? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a friend, technically. I'm going to say, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again right now. This poster lied. These are not their friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone judging every single deck choice that you make, especially when you're making like varied and unique and interesting lists. Yeah. They're just looking for something to complain about. And yeah. it's not it's not about what you're building. There's nothing you can do to change what you're doing uh, in order to accommodate that player better. There's, there's other things you can do to mitigate the salt, but there's nothing you need to change in your deck building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this person's totally in the right. And frankly, these sound like spicy fucking decks. I was going to say, you should actually just keep building decks like that because they actually sound cool. And send <laughs> yeah. me the list, too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> give us some lists. Like... I love Morag Fury of Akum. I actually have been thinking about picking one up and doing like a Phoenix deck. First of all, to to yell at someone who's playing mono red to be too fast. It's like, have you ever met the color red in Magic the <laughs> Gathering? Like that's literally what it does. But yeah, I mean, these are spicy decks. I would say, you know, if I had somebody berating me about this, I'd be like, well, I still beat you. You know, like sucks to suck, dude. Oh, you didn't like my deck? Is that why you lost so hard to Are me? Are you saying this player should get good? Yeah, this this friend, air quotes, should fucking get good. Like, they doth protest too much. They're complaining 
and trying to cover up their own weak ass deck building because they're yeah. just getting outclassed, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you need to be, if the only time this person uh, felt comfortable was when they were playing against a new Capenna bulk trash deck that you just slapped together, uh, that's kind of telling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some people also like just to complain. That's how they're getting enjoyment out of the game. So there's mm. this chance that this player just likes kind of ragging on whatever you're going to bring to the table. That doesn't necessarily need to be how you're having fun, though. Yeah. Uh, listening to that, because that's yeah. not going to be fun. So, <laughs> you know, if they are a friend, you can hopefully have that conversation and be like, dude, I can't seem to build any deck that you are interested in. Um, so either like shut up or tell me what kind of deck is okay because it seems like everything is not okay. <laughs> also, like it's not really your responsibility to build a deck that your opponent finds interesting. It would be one thing if you were building with like a power nice imbalance, <laughs> or you know, if you were building a deck and just pub stomping your friends and and like not having fun, or the games were really linear and bad. Um, but if it's an interesting game and your opponent just doesn't love the flavor of your deck, like who cares, man, you're not yeah. making them play the deck. You're not making them build it. Something I really wonder about with this post is what are the other players in the group thinking? Yeah. They're not mentioned mm -hmm. here, which makes me think like they just don't care. And if one person out of a pod of four or more is complaining, then it's probably not like a realistic complaint. You can just kind of tell them to be quiet and, Try to talk through it, I guess. Maybe they're having an issue with the power balance, and maybe it's because their own decks just are a little bland compared to the spice <laughs> you're bringing. But, yep. um, which I, I kind of think is going on. But yeah, Rask Turbo with Force Combat just sounds fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Well, that's the thing. It just feels kind of like sad because it's like the decks sound cool. Yeah. And I feel like even in situations when I get beat down pretty good or sometimes I beat down the table pretty good, I find that at the end, like we're always, we're like very supportive of each other's deck building for the most part. Mike in particular will always be like, yo, that's like spicy. That was cool. Like this was a cool thing. And like highlighting that it should be like what you're doing with your play group, not trying to like stifle the creativity yeah. that somebody's like bringing out. Totally. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we will have like a negative play experience because one of our decks is very powerful. And we've talked about that sometimes with Tony's decks. But even then, usually at the end of that discussion, we're like, but also play that deck more, you know? Because <laughs> sometimes being blown out by a deck is because you're not familiar with it or it's just pure variance. Like the first time Tony played Obeka, he like slammed our asses into the ground and then the second or third time, it was just not as good. It was Tony's ass being slammed. Yeah. <laughs> but we were just like focusing him super hard because of the first game. So, you know, it's who knows how these multiple games went. It, it's kind of hard to say, but I, I think that uh, you're totally in the right. You should be continuing to build these dope decks and, you know, send us some lists, man. I want to see these. What do we think about the salt rating on this one? Super high. If If somebody like... If somebody in my play group was judging every single deck I made to this degree, I would yeah. flip out. Yeah, especially when I was bringing in Spice that I felt really confident and happy about and someone like talks shit about it and not even like constructively. Uh, yeah. I, that would not be something I would want to continue playing with.
I think there's something to be said for like constructive criticism with the deck. Mm -hmm. Like if, if somebody is blowing out the power level that we've all agreed to something along those lines, but these kinds of comments are sort of insulting, like the brew itself, which in a format like commander players really put their creativity into a deck. Right. And for someone to come at you like that and be like, Hey, it's not that the deck is too powerful. It's not that I lost that game and I feel bad. It's that the deck you crafted is bad for these specific reasons. Um, that that's just really insulting. And yeah, and the reason is wrong. Yeah, and the reason, <laughs> the reason is, is dumb. That's terrible. And the reason is so lame. Like too many flying creatures. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. For me, it's just it's just sad salt. Yeah. It's not the kind of salt you want to see. Salty tears. And you definitely don't want to see the fucking long game. Like, fuck that. Oh, my God. <laughs> the fact that yeah. that's one of the things, like, I can't. Didn't I just can't. You're not respecting the long game. <laughs> if you want someone to respect the long game, you have to make them respect the long game. Like, you have to have yeah. a deck that does that. <laughs> exactly. Saying everybody should build a rule of law. Yeah, make me respect the Rhino long game. Combo win. <laughs> Absolutely. You're like, oh, you want long game? I got long game. Grand Arbiter Augustine. <laughs> oh yeah. man, that would that would be hilarious. <laughs> was- build build a deck that simultaneously accomplishes all of the goals oh, <laughs> that dude. this person has said. Aspire oh, for man. the long game. Somehow both be completely predictable and unpredictable. Like- Only play a few creatures, but they all have flying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> play play like things that reveal your hand, but also chaos cards. Yeah. So they know exactly what you're going to play, but not what it's going to do. <laughs> oh, that would be a beautiful deck. <laughs> Telepathy into possibility storm, I think is what it is. Oh, yeah. so it's like hand played up, but then you just like randomly. Yeah, it probably <laughs> needs to be great. some kind of, is it chaos or like it, Jeskai, if you can fit it in, because then you can get some of those like white stacks pieces that are really salt inducing and some of that flight yeah. stuff like mages of the moat hmm. if they didn't like mm. flying before play mages of the moat oh they'll love <laughs> flying then <laughs> yeah and then the player will start to realize that every time they complain a little secret of how to beat them is secretly <laughs> embedded into that <laughs> oh so good okay we'll send you a list you send us your list and then... yeah we'll compare lists <laughs> All righty. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the next one, y'all. Heck yeah. Our next post comes to us from our good friend, Snoringes, our buddy, Pat. <gasps> Ooh, baby. I mean, he's okay. Like, whatever. We can't even, <laughs> like, ask you how to define salt. Like, whatever. <laughs> this is a very relevant one. The post is titled, Mox Masters, Fate, Take the Wheel. Hmm. Doctor, quick. We're losing him. Paddles. Fast, nurse. Beep. Charging. Zap. Beep. 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 Well, he's back. But there's no way he can compete in Mox Masters in this condition. Oh, but he did. I played against <laughs> Husk. This monstrosity. Game summary. Turn one. Offender. City of Brass. Mana Crypt, Time Twister, says, shit, I liked my old hand better. 
after the time Drissa resolves. (laughs) All players wheel. Other players play a land each, except for a Demir player who's able to put out a Chrome Mox as well. Turn two, the offender plays Chrome. The Demir player plays a land, Thassa's Oracle, into Demonic (laughs) Consultation. (laughs) Nice. Offender says, a zombie player, can you stop that? Which is Pat. No, you silly Billy boy. You wheeled me turn one. (laughs) (laughs) In summary, I'm salty, but it was very funny. (laughs) (laughs) And in the comments, Pat says, I'm still shaken. And then he says, update, check the drop request channel. And he dropped three minutes after the game ended. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you could, if you could parse out what occurred from that dramatic reading, uh, essentially a in this fast-paced CDH tournament, a player turn one wield, turn one city brass crypt time twister to get a fresh hand. Everybody wield. One of the opponents was wheeled into the Thassa's Oracle demonic consultation combo and popped it off on turn two. And guess what? Sometimes when you craft a great mulligan hand, you start the game with interaction, and then if you get wheeled, it's all fucking gone. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> Dude, if yeah. I was the Demir player, I would feel like a fucking god in that yeah. game. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would feel like, did I shuffle since the last time I played this? Thing? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, they were just like, those two cards were stuck together from some sweat or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> almost that thing of you always got to play them together. So it's like, I feel like some, I feel like with CDH, the the shuffle of like jam together is like less effective because that almost happens more. There's a lot of cards that get played together. And so I find myself doing it more and more and more. And it's probably just like not statistically like a thing, but I feel like they don't actually, they don't necessarily spread as much as you think. I think sometimes like, I don't think this person cheated or anything. I just mean like the jam together shuffle, if done correctly, I think it's actually called a riffle shuffle. No, it's not a riffle shuffle. I think it's a mash shuffle. A mash shuffle. I think a mash shuffle. The whole point is if it's done correctly, it does actually legitimately shuffle a deck. So like you do have to actually, yeah, absolutely. Pile shuffling is the one that um, if you pile shuffle too much, it's abusable because you can like like, restack things and stack it again. Yeah, I mean, you know, something that you can do and and like the the pros won't tell you this, but you can do it is uh put a little bit of bubble gum on the back of your Thassa's Oracle and <laughs> stick it to that demonic consultation. Um not only will it look like you draw one card and you actually get both in your hand at once, but when you shuffle your deck, they're not going to split up because of that bubble gum. Now, do you do it with sleeves or do you do it raw? Do you raw dog it? Well, that's another strategy, Tony, is that you just have a Thassa's Oracle and a Demonic Consultation in the same sleeve. <laughs> and then you uh, take one out. You take one out. And you cast play, an unsleeved you Whichever one you need because you have two of those you play in the deck, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if it's the other way. You, you have two. You have your Thassas and your Demonic in one sleeve, and then you have your Demonic and Thassas in another sleeve. So you, you just, it's double the win cons. And yeah. the, again, the pros will say, they won't talk about this, but this is a great way to win. <laughs> so dumb. Love that. Oh, gosh. Love that. Yeah, this would make me rage, dude. Yeah, like, it really would. Like, talk about somebody's misplay, somebody's really brutal misplay pushing you 
into this kind of situation. Well, I, I think that that's jumping a little bit. I don't know, like wheeling. I don't think it's jumping one. enough. I, I think it's a big, I think it's a big misplay only because they didn't get anything off of it. If they had played like two rocks or something or three rocks, like had like a mana advantage and then did it, I feel like there's more reason to do it. But when you didn't really gain anything and you just do it, it feels like you've, you've added an element of chaos where people usually have like a lot of things they can do but but there is value there like if you've seen people like if people have at your table have all kept their first seven maybe they're just bad at mulliganing but maybe they've all lucked into good hands and your yeah. your wheel is disruptive there there are totally sure. legitimate reasons to like play your turn one wheel um but from pat's perspective having interaction having it wheeled away and then being explicitly asked if, if you, you have interaction would be the most salt inducing thing I can possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you do make a good point, Mike. I mean, a turn one wheel can be really powerful. We've even seen them in like casual games. I think my, uh, I think it was actually Pat that played a turn one winds of change in yeah. one of our games and just like totally locked out Nick out of the entire game. And because Nick just got a shit hand on the second round. Um, I do think a turn one wheel is generally best when you have mulligan down a bit. Like if this person was on their first or second seven and they were like, sweet, a turn one wheel. It's like maybe mulligan again and dig for something that's actually a little bit more explosive and usable. Granted, like you said, you can't assess whether your opponents were like snap keeping hands or things like that. But um Generally, I think a turn one wheel, you want to get a little bit more value out of it. And ideally, it's something that you're hitting if you're going down to like five or so. Yeah. And and we're not really talking about it too much because it is CDH. So you expect to see the Thassa's Oracle Demonic Consult. But seeing someone draw raw into those two together, that would be kind of salty too, honestly. crazy, to be honest. Like the yeah. variance to hit that. And for no one to have a counter is like wild. Yeah, that's that's pain. I mean, you know, if I was this person who played the wheel, like they wheeled and then turn two, they dropped down a crom. I probably wouldn't expect to see like crazy winds coming down that turn, but you never know. Um, <laughs> it is really funny that they were like, a zombie player, can you stop that? <laughs> that was like me with my other fucking hand dude <laughs> and also to then see the drop right after from that player because the drop requests were all in a channel uh oh like really it was one channel for the tournament because they needed to make sure to remove them before the next round oh, yeah, started the yep. so pat would actually like see someone fuck them over and then leave the tournament <laughs> it's like what come on you know cdh tournaments there obviously is like a wide variety of skill levels and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like if you lose your first game, you get seated down yep. and your chances of being in a pod with some like really inexperienced people goes up, you know I mean? It yeah. just kind of makes sense. Isn't that good though? <laughs> they just do like weird degenerate shit. Yeah, it, it's good to uh, potentially get sure. wins back, but you see like weird deck builds. You see like terrible yeah. target prioritization. You see, you just see like weird plays that are kind of salt inducing and will be a little bit mm. tilting where you're like, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? Yeah, sure. Gotcha. It is, it is an, an interesting thing though in like 
CDH in particular, the goal is to play the best magic you can play. And like yeah. you're going in with that mentality and you're kind of expecting other people to have that mentality too. The worst you can plan for is your opponent to take the best move they can possibly make. Yeah. And so then when they start playing like suboptimally, that can like throw actually kind of a wrench in and it can just mess with the whole flow of the game. Yeah, it's hard to plan for bad target prioritization because if you're like, okay, you know, there's five creatures on the board. One of them is Krom. One of them is Timna. And one of them is my like Skirk Prospector. And somebody's like, sweet, I'm going to sword to Plowshares, the Skirk Prospector. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> what do we think about the salt rating here? I think this is very high salt. Uh, you put it, you put a situation like this in a tournament too, and it just ratchets the salt up an extra level. Yeah. Um, I give this, I give this a 80% full shaker. Honestly, this would, this would really get me. Um, the only thing that mitigates this is that there's some reasons that that turn one wheel could maybe be viable. Uh, but all of the preceding facts uh, are just entirely salt producing. I think the saltiness really comes from, like you said, the tournament setting, the high pressure of the tournament setting and the interaction with the player that wheeled and Pat, where he was like, yo, you got the counter spell to stop <laughs> yeah. this. Are, are you going to stop this now? And you're like, no idiot. I just wheeled. I have nothing like that is the saltiness here. Like totally. you said, the turn one time twister could definitely be a valuable play. And honestly, this is just a lot of like variance at play. I don't think anyone would predict that a Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation would drop out and no one would have counter magic. Like it's just, it's just not it's surprising, what you expect, uh, especially on turn two. So it's a real like turn of events, but yeah, it's salty. The interaction is certainly salty. I'd be frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> that's all, all that can be said. Well like, said, Tony. Yeah, a man of few words. Fuck that shit. Uh, <laughs> wow, precise. So upset. I was trying to think of like a restaurant uh, scenario, but it was too complicated, so I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the next post, guys, and let's keep this theme of CDH going with this question. This comes to us from the EDH subreddit from user Nargonian. If you guys see user Nargonian around the EDH subreddit, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. And the post is titled, My playgroup wants me to stop playing good? Typo of Godo? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe. We'll, we'll find out. Long story short, I'm a CDH player at heart, but my friends are janky tribal players. Over the last year, I've been building decks more in their playhouse and oftentimes just don't bring decks and play theirs instead. It's not my favorite thing, but I enjoy the camaraderie and like us all playing at the same level so everyone has a shot. Despite playing their decks for the most part, my win rate is still above 50% for the group and it's getting to them. I give them tips on deck building and optimized play and they have gotten better over the year, but they still lose a decent chunk and some just refused to go above certain power levels. Well, they finally had enough of that, and all three of them sat me down and asked me to stop making tactical moves as well when playing to give everyone else a shot. I'm not the best with social confrontations, 
But one of my favorite things about this game is making smart decisions and testing my brain. And I don't like the idea that for the sake of the group, I can't play decks that I want to play and I have to give up my play style. We are going to talk about it in more detail next week when we play. And I really like this group and was curious if I could just get some advice from fellow players, as I feel like if I don't do this, I'll need to leave the group. As a few of them have been rage quitting a lot when I win, and I feel like they are at their limit. Am I the asshole for not feeling like I compromised enough and don't want to compromise more? Tough. Mm. It's a tough one. This might be one of those sad cases where it's just like, not everybody is going to want to play at like the higher tiers where there's like more power. And like, sometimes that's just okay. And like, you can still be friends, but you got to just, I don't know. It might be what has to be accepted here. Like you can't force everybody to move up to where you're at if that's just like not what they seem to enjoy it's true but it, it's like sad like yeah. but it, it kind of like i feel like you're doing the right things and like trying but i don't know like the only other thing i could think which sometimes helps is like just adding more restrictions to yourself we've like yeah. talked about this kind of thing in the past but it's like you could really go hard in on like some of those like every single card in the deck is under 50 cents or under 79 cents. Yeah. Like, uh, or like you can only use cards from a specific block. Yeah. Like things to like, make it interesting for you to build something. And that's you're, still you're probably going to be deck. like a janky piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're all beta deck. Power nine but... <laughs> galore into tendrils of agony. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it does just feel though, that it's like sometimes not everybody wants to like, go there well i think the real like the real hard part here is that they're asking you to play differently yeah that sucks sure yeah like you're even borrowing their decks and sometimes playing with their own decks but you are making in-game decisions that are somehow better than your opponents and it's going to give you the win and that's like that's that's something that frankly speaking to myself like you can't turn off Unless no. I get like, unless I like crank a bunch of beers back before a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like time to play poorly. Alter your mind state yeah, and then exactly. you can play more poorly. <laughs> um, but that that's a hard thing to hear criticized. And, and it, I just don't think it's something you can change. Like you can play weaker decks. You can put game restrictions on yourself, deck building restrictions on yourself. You can play a deck with no instants and sorceries and just do creatures and, you know, even then, I don't think you're ever going to be able to turn off that like tactical mind that you're bringing to the game. It's also an odd ask to me. Like I can never imagine yeah. any game that I'm playing asking somebody to sandbag while playing me. It's like, th- that's not what I'm interested in. I, I always want to play in a way where everyone's playing like as well as they can. That's kind of why I was talking about deck list stuff too. Cause if you're just a stronger pilot than the other friends in your group, then if for some reason, win percentage is really important to people, then you need to handicap your deck building because you shouldn't have to handicap your piloting. That's like the fun part of the game for a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah, the deck building is the fun part of the game too, but you can have fun deck building at a lower power level. Whereas trying to adjust your piloting to a lower power level, I think is going to just naturally be really, really unfun pretty much every time. I definitely understand where you're coming from. I mean, we've talked about it a lot this episode. We all play CDH and truthfully, 
I think we would all agree that playing at CDH has made us better pilots at all other power levels. Yeah. We can play through game triggers better. We can interact with each other at a higher level, you know, have a little bit more like tactical strategy when we're interacting with each other's game pieces. And a little just more precision in terms of our actual gameplay. I think. Yeah, it's like cleaner play. We know what holding priority really means. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It means if I hold priority, it means I can cast free spells and you can't interact. Sidebar. Uh, <laughs> I've, I learned a cool thing. Well, I guess I kind of knew it, but I had a player call a judge in one of my games to ask how priority works because they thought that whenever a new thing, a new action was put on the stack that the active player got priority, like always, uh, which is not the case. Like it's the player that put the thing on the stack that passes priority to the next person. Um, But after each resolution, it doesn't go back to who put that, object on the stack after a thing resolves it goes back to active player which i didn't know i thought oh. it went back to whoever put you know the previous thing on the stack but it doesn't oh i hear what you're saying okay that that is interesting yeah i don't know that we've been playing that wrong or anything or that it's come up very often but it is interesting yeah that, that's crunchy I so like, like that. the priority goes back to the active player and then it goes back to wherever yeah so so i cast i cast a spell mike casts silence and we're on nick's turn yep let's say we're on nick's turn silence resolves you think it might go back to me but it actually goes back to nick yeah uh and he can't do anything because silence was cast and i had a i had a bad example okay i'll own up to it (laughs) 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 but anyway that's interesting yeah that's cool but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think once you get to that play space, you can't turn it off. And I don't think it's really like a reasonable thing for your friends to be asking. So I would talk to them and sit and kind of say that, be like, hey, I can't play less tactically. Like my brain is there. <laughs> the synapses are connected. But this play group matters to me. And what could I do to help you guys have a more fun and enjoyable experience? I'll play your decks. I'll do this. I'll do that. You could do some double-headed giant, maybe. Yeah. Like, get each other, you know, just some experience with thinking that way, too. You could build each other secret Santa decks. <laughs> <laughs> Different play styles actually is, like, a really interesting solution here. You know, different games like Kingdom or different variants like that, that sort of direct play in a specific direction could be really interesting. Plane chase could be really fun. Because mm. it adds this like chaotic element that no one can really control. Um, I, plane chase like at uh, Magic Thirty or or no, real not chase planes. Planes. Oh, yeah, 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 chase the planes. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. chase the planes Christ. could do it too. You could find the rules online. Uh, chase the planes sucked. Dick. <laughs> Some people think that's a good thing. Um, so well, I'm I'm saying it for the people who don't like it. <laughs> What do we think about the salt rating here? We vibing. This is so salty. This is so salty to me. Don't, don't, don't make someone sandbag. And they're clearly getting salty because they're shit and they got to get good. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just got to get good. I mean, yeah. this is theme of this episode, baby. Just get good. This is super high salt for me. Um, if I was in this situation, if I was on the receiving end of this, 
I, I'm not sure what I would do. I, I might just bring a board game to the next game night, to be honest. You really can't turn that stuff off. And this reminds me a little bit of the question we had earlier, where it's not like they're criticizing your deck builds and power imbalance and things like that. They're really kind of criticizing you as a person and as a player. Um, and that's, I don't know, man, that's just like, it hurts. That hurts. Yeah. That hurts. Especially to have friends do that. That that's a huge bummer. So I hope that you can like talk it out with your play group and work it out. Um, and at the very least, like remain friends and stuff like that. But this is, this is a tough situation for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's more of that like sad salt. Yeah. Just fucking sad now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go put on fucking Carrie and Lowell and just oh, like sit whoa. in the rain. Dude, don't Sufjan. Don't get me. I, I like haven't <laughs> listened to Sufjan Stevens in like like seven months. Like, don't get me back on that, man. <laughs> oh, it's so good, but it makes me cry every time. <laughs> Except for Vesuvius. That's a great album that you can just listen to whenever. It's awesome. I like literally anytime it's raining or I want to feel a little down, I just put on some Sophia, oh, specifically Carrie and Lowell for me. My, the one that gets me is uh, um, Come on, Feel the Illinois. Um, mm. Specifically, like the, what is it, the John Wayne Gacy song just makes me like real, real low. Gets me feeling <laughs> real sad. Well, is it, is that it time that? of the week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do we need some hype up after that sadness? <laughs> yeah, we do. We desperately yeah. do. It is that time of the week, Tony. It's that time of the week where we ask Mike, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? We're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your Sufjan? <laughs> oh my God. Because yeah. I started like borderline laughing as I was doing it, but I was trying to be sad. The things I brought you and I found out you had cancer of the salt. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, well, keeping the theme there. of the uh, of the episode, the light theme of the episode going on, uh, the salty card of the week this week is demonic consultation. Mm-hmm. That's a salty card. That doesn't it is sad. If wow. you can believe it, it's a salty card. So Demonic Consultation, it's a one black for an instant. It's name a card, remove the top six cards of your library from the game, then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal the named card. Put that card into your hand and remove all other cards revealed this way from the game. So, uh, Tony, does this one make you salty? I mean, in similar with the theme, it makes me sad when I see it go on the stack and I have no interaction. But... On the uh, on the counter side of that, it makes me real happy when someone names a card that is in their deck because they like need to like, you know, mm. like somebody's popping it off, they're about to win, and they actually use it as a tutor instead of a win con, <laughs> yeah, which I just true. find fucking hilarious. And yeah. I think when I ran Circu, I actually did it once or twice, and I was like, this is not how this is supposed to go. <laughs> so like when I'm casting it and I'm in that situation, I feel probably salty then, I guess. So yeah. maybe that's the only time I feel some salt when I have it, when I cast it as a tutor instead of as my win con. Yeah. Uh, but that's about it for me. Totally. Sam, does this one make you salty? Um, not really. I mean, it's 
it's a really awesome card. Obviously, it's fantastic with Thos Oracle. And, um, you know, it's it's worse than Tainted Pact. Tainted Pact has the deck building restriction. But Demonic Consultation, like Tony, you mentioned, sometimes you can use these as like a value tutor because it does get you right to the card, but you lose part of your deck. Uh, these are actually called Forbidden Tutors, Demonic Consultation and Tainted Pact, and card effects like these, where it's sort of this like, it is a tutor, but it's going to fuck you up a little bit on the way there. Was there a win con before Thassa's Oracle with Demonic Consultation? Um, I mean, I Lab mean, Man. Yeah, Lab Maniac or, or Jace. Was it just Lab and Man? And then uh, uh, Jace the... I don't know, one of the Jace's... Jace the Helpful Place? Yeah, Jace the Helpful Place. Um, it has like an activated ability where if you uptick... Because it, I was going to say, I was wondering if like Thassa's Oracle is what made this salty Definitely. i think that's pretty likely i think that's very likely because it's so cheap and tidy i mean with with the other ones you need the card draw activation jace i think is still just an uptick but it's just a very powerful effect i see why yeah. it's on there because people often rage against this combo but at the same time like this isn't the piece you should be salty about it's really not <laughs> that bad yeah yeah how about you, Mike? I agree with you guys. I think, you know, often when something mostly shows up in CDH, we talk about how it's hard to be quite as salty in CDH. We've seen some stories of that, um, but I I do think that it's generally kind of accepted that it is a piece of this win con in CDH and people are very prepared for it. Yeah, I could totally imagine someone running this in a casual deck and that just being like super frustrating and bullshit. Yeah. And, and I would hate that, but I, I have yet to encounter that in the wild. So uh, I don't, I don't mind it so much. I would say I get salty with this in my hand because I think about using it as just the tutor <laughs> all the time. And I mm. am paralyzed <laughs> by those six cards. I have to exile. I, I am so worried that I'm going to hit the thing that I want in those top six and then just mill my, you know, exile my whole library and be stuck. Which is also hilarious. Super funny, but yeah. it, uh, it's happened once I think in our play group. Yeah. It's yeah. personal salt that I can't get over that to use the card the way it can be used. Sometimes you do have to bust it out as a true desperation play to generally tutor up like a free counter spell or something. Uh, when somebody's popping off, like I, that's the only time I've really yeah. seen it played. Um, and it's, it's literally like, I'm going to win on my next turn. I need this person to lose. I got to go for it right now. I'm going to say 55 there. I'm going to say 82. 82. Yeah. Carry the one. <laughs> How many seven? Oh my God. This is hard guys. I have seven $1 bills and. Are you trying to one seven dollar to Tony, to Tony won. Tony won by I think one. It's sixty eight. Really? Hey, yeah. oh my that's because Sam's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sixty eight. Nice. All right. So, what do you guys? What card do you guys say when you use demonic consultation? Oh. You're already dead. Is there even a choice Fucking anymore? Easy. It's the only answer. Oh my, what most you do, buddy? 
yeah, the printing that is of the that best card. <laughs> incredible well, I, haven't, I haven't cast it since that came out, so I would I just say like a basic land of. Uh, I used to say a basic land of like a type I didn't know. Yeah, or like um, like Black Lotus or something like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. now that you are already dead is printed, you must say it, and you must say it in it's Japanese. Like required. And if your opponent doesn't <laughs> respond, Nani. I think they have to concede. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Their weep card is revoked. <laughs> <laughs> and their neck beard instantly like shaves itself. Yeah, it shrivels it up. It shrivels up and <laughs> yeah. drops off like a vestigial limb. <laughs> Isn't the whole point of a vestigial limb that it doesn't do that? Uh I wasn't ready for a quiz today, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, the powerhouse uh, of the cell, Sam? Uh, the um, mitochondria. <laughs> cool. Well, that wraps it up for our salty card of the week. Well, thanks, Mike. And thank you to our prospectors out there for tuning into another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast. If you are interested in having more Howling Salt Mine in your life, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. We have two tiers to join. We've got a $3 tier. You can get in and check out our Discord. Give us that a little bit of support and get that warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. And if you want a little bit more content from us, you can check out our $7 tier. Still gets you that Discord access, and you also get access to our two ongoing series. We have Extra Salt, which is a monthly series where we just kind of chat. It's a little bit looser. We'll talk about things that make us salty, talk about things in Magic the Gathering that we love, decks, different stuff like that. And we also have our short form series called Stray Grains, which is a bit like a little spoof on like an NPR short segment thing where we (laughs) take segments that didn't make it into the show, you know, different tangents, different chats that just cover a variety of topics. And we take those and package them up in that short form series. So um, we've got a bunch of content out there right now. If you guys want to tune in and check it out, you can also listen to our lost episode. So there's a lot of fun stuff going on in there. And come hang out in the Discord. It's a great time. We also uh, want to thank anyone that's given us a five-star rating to date. That really is huge and just matters a ton with little podcasts like us. And if you haven't already, a five-star review in whatever podcast app you listen to is really, really helpful and goes a long way. And if you want a story featured on a future episode, email us at thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram and Reddit where our username is thehowlingsaltmine or on Twitter where we are Howling Salt Mine. Whether it's a DM or an email, we are going to take that story that you send us, pull it into our aggregator and read it on a future episode. So get those salty stories in. We want to hear your salty confessionals. We want to hear when you got screwed over, something weird happened, people are being weird at your table and maybe... Uh, being a little bit like a jerk. We want to hear it and talk about it. When you call it our aggregator, it sounds so legit. Yeah, it sounds like we have something like feeding it all into <laughs> yeah. a system somewhere. I am the aggregator. It is me. Say. It is me and copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we have to shout out our fantastic podcast artist, J.D. Burnett. Thank you so much for making that Dope art, JD. JD is a tattoo artist in Asheville, North Carolina. So if you are in the area, hit him up for a sweet tattoo. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy. So check him out. As always, stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling Salt Mine. The Howling
if someone is like, my deck is designed to worn it, worn. My deck is I designed. Wern. I worn. Uh, my deck worns all the time. It's so I expensive. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you make a word mistake on this show, <laughs> and you just try to move past it. And, and the nope. others latch <laughs> in, works. and you cannot. Nope. You just cannot. <laughs> Oh, hey, what man. are you worrying about? Well, I don't even know what you were saying. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was saying. Um, Wait, we actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I genuinely don't. Um, despite, despite playing Hip. their... Hip. Oh, I could get past it. Despite playing Hip. their decks... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> if you are craving more Howling Solid... If you are craving more, you're having what now? More hunter, him, <laughs> it's it's going to be so many of them. Stop it. Too much. Okay. Okay. Oh, gosh. How far are play that more, okay? Good Lord. That's the more. Oh, gosh. It's so unhinged. It's late. Um, It's late. We've recorded two episodes in a row.